The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Take your Bibles, please, tonight as we continue our series on the Feast, part two tonight, on the Feast of Atonement. And I am going to try to get the, the last of this morning in, as well as tonight. And uh, so let's uh, take our Bibles, please, to Leviticus chapter uh, number 23. Leviticus chapter number 23. All right. I think by now you're getting used to the, the thought that there were four spring feasts. Let's see them. All right. Uh, on the, uh, there you go. Uh, and here are the four spring feasts. We've reviewed them every single time. Uh, these are all events that are in which direction? <laughs> Past. All right. They're all behind us. And uh, we see that the fulfillment of them have uh, been realized. And it's such a blessing. I hope that when we tie together the Old Testament and the New Testament, that it does something in your heart that says, I've got a big God. My God knows the beginning from the end. He's already got this thing all worked out. And I just need to uh, really be on the same page with him, all right? Uh, so the uh, Passover laid out, uh, unleavened bread here, the walk of the believer, uh, the first fruits, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Pentecost, the birth of the church. And then we had the in-between season between the spring feasts, and by the way, those are two of the three times that the Jewish men were required to come to Jerusalem for these feast periods. And by the way, it was not just natural-born Jews. Do you know that there were things called proselyte Jews from all over the world? They were also required to come, hence the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, I have no other explanation for him after Pentecost. Uh, there, things are, are, are going on, but, but the, the reality that maybe as a proselyte Jew into the Scriptures, he's reading an Old Testament book, right, Isaiah, um, and uh, coming for the feast times, and uh, then gloriously is uh, saved and goes back uh, to uh, his home country. But we see these are past. They are fulfilled, all right? And uh, we can thank God for uh, the reality of uh, God's preciseness uh, in, uh, in His calendar. And that's why every one of us should have hearts that are just, I mean, filled with anticipation of the future, all right? So that's the fall feasts. Let's take a look at those again. I mean, every detail, right, of the spring feast, every single detail... What makes us think somehow that every single detail of that which is yet to come will not be fulfilled? It's the same God. And uh, so when I look at what God is going to do uh, during uh, this trumpets, and of course we understand that there is both a rapture and a revelation. Uh, Jesus, seven years separating the two. Sometimes we refer to the second coming as uh, uh, the revelation. That, that comes at the end of the tribulation. The rapture comes first. That's the church. That's the trumpet that they're going to hear. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 4. And then we see that as this morning, God, God's people are going to be in heaven. And then we recognize that God is going to be working out His plan here on planet earth. 
at which time he is also going to come back to this old world. And we're going to explain that in just a moment. So let's go on here to the next uh, slide. And by the way, the trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles are basically dealing with the rapture, the tribulation, the return of Christ, and the millennial kingdom. All right, so that's all before us. And uh, we thank God here for uh, God's calendar and what God's going to do. All right, a nation is cleansed. We saw this morning in dealing with the atonement, the Yom Kippur, that, that great holy day for the Jewish people, that, that day of uh, repentance before God seeking a covering for their sins has been going on now for thousands of years. And we recognize that the whole purpose is that we would be clean again as a people, a cleansed people. Well, there's a bigger picture to that. And the bigger picture is that after the trumpet, after the rapture of the church, during those, that, that time period all right, before, between uh, the trumpets and uh, the Day of Atonement, there is that contrition. There is that realization of sin against God. And we're going to see that that will happen during the day of the Lord for the people of Israel. They will see him for who he is. And there's going to be a tremendous sorrow in the heart. Remember, 144 Jewish thousand Jewish witnesses are going out. Many of these Jewish people are going to be confronted with this reality that this is God. And there is going to be uh, a climax here, just like the Passover was celebrated year after year after year after year. Uh, the, the Day of Atonement was celebrated year after year after year in, in anticipation for a national atoning for God's people coming to a place where they realize Jesus is God. And that will take place, as we saw from Romans chapter number 11, where all Israel shall be saved, all right? Uh, that's all going to transpire here during this time. So we have a nation's cleansed, and uh, this evening I want us to see here a king is coming. A king is coming, all right? So these are the second half of the notes from this morning. If you happen to have those, great. If not, uh, that's all right as well. But let's just go through this here a little bit because uh, we want to realize that what is going on here, the, 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 the church is already raptured. We see that now God's program is in place, the revelation. The Bible says that for the church... Uh, he's coming for his saints. At the end of the tribulation, the Bible says he's coming with his saints. And you can read about that in Revelation. You say, I don't like horses. Well, get used to it. <laughs> we're coming back. Matter of fact, the armies of heaven, we're a part of that. Now, you're not going to have to do a whole lot because the, the Lord, just with his mouth, is going to destroy the enemy. By the way, with his mouth, he created everything. He spoke it into existence. Don't you think he can wipe out all of these enemies of God uh, from around the planet? Uh, absolutely. So letter A, again, this morning's notes, a coming revelation. All right, number one, how will Christ come? How will Christ come? 
Let's go to this first scripture up on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 3.13, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There is a coming, and it's a coming again. Um, again, some folks teach that the church is going through the tribulation. It makes it a little different. It's a really short trip to heaven, isn't it? All right, seven-year tribulation, we're all the way through it. Now seven years is up, go up to heaven, come right back down, all right? Uh, so we are coming, uh, we, he's coming with his saints, and uh, that is what the Bible declares there in 1 Thessalonians 3.13. How about Revelation 1.7? Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Think about that. They're going to recognize that that was Jesus. That's coming as king. That's Jesus that was God in the flesh. And so the scripture tells us that this revelation is coming, and this is how he will come. Um, we're going to get to Matthew 24, but just go there for, for just a moment. This is a discourse that Jesus has. Um, it's interesting, the setting, because the setting is he's on the Mount of Olives, according to Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 3, he sat upon the Mount of Olives. You're going to see why that's important in just a little bit, but he's now going to teach through Matthew on this day of the Lord or the revelation or the second coming with the saints. And some people get confused because they're, they're trying to put Matthew chapter 24 into that place of, well, that's the first coming uh, of Christ or the rapture. Actually, his first coming was 2,000 years ago to this world. The second coming is not till after the, the uh, tribulation. Where are we going to meet the Lord? In the air, all right? So, so he's not actually coming. He's just meeting us in the air. We're going to get an escort, all right, home. And uh, so the Scripture tells us here in Matthew 24 that Jesus is going to teach this truth on the Mount of Olives. And uh, he's going to go uh, through this text and, and, and try uh, to uh, uh, help um, God's people uh, recognize that, that this is a time that's coming of great judgment, uh, but it is uh, primarily a Jewish judgment, all right? Uh, number two, where will Christ come? I wanted you to see there the Mount of Olives on this teaching, and then I want you to see from Zechariah 14, verse 4, it'll be up on the screen. Look at this. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. You see, when Jesus returns, the where is on the Mount of Olives. Now, this is so important, again, because you've got to connect where Jesus is teaching on this second coming, on the revelation. He's teaching it from the very mount that he's coming back to during that time. All right, now, this is probably the last time in Scripture here that uh, uh, we're going to see uh, this lived out in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's just go to Matthew 24 for just a second and pick up on some of this. Verse number 4 says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, 
and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and diverse places. Uh, these, uh, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And, and it continues on, verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall uh, wax cold. And this gospel has to be preached uh, throughout the world. And then the Bible says here, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. And so we understand that it's the tribulation, it's the day of the Lord that's being referenced here in uh, uh, Zechariah 14 as well as Matthew chapter number 24. So how is Christ going to come? He's coming with his saints. Where will he come? He's coming to the earth. And touchdown is on the Mount of Olives. And uh, we're going to see... Um, that lived out in absolute uh, detail. Now, number three, what will Christ find when he comes? All right, what will Christ find when he comes? Would you go with me to Revelation chapter 16? I don't have it up on the screen because there's several verses. But we, as we read through the book of Revelation and through this tribulation period, again, also known as the day of the Lord, by the way, the, the, the passage in uh, Peter here where he's talking about Noah's flood as that came and now the world's going to be judged with fire, that is a description of the day of the Lord. Uh, the day of the Lord is something that throughout the Scripture is referenced both in the New Testament and Old Testament. And you tell me, let's contrast here just a little bit, I know I got you in Revelation chapter 16, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, uh, the Lord's teaching the church, and he's saying, listen, this is not going to come like a thief in your life. Um, you're not under wrath. Uh, he even says, take comfort. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not take comfort if I'm going through the day of the Lord. There is no comfort there because every verse I read on the day of the Lord is horrific. All right, let me give you some examples. Isaiah 2, for the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that's proud and lofty. Isaiah 13, 6, howl ye for the day of the Lord's at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Isaiah 13, 9, behold, the day of the Lord cometh both cruel, both with wrath. That's a key word there. Day of the Lord, associate that with the wrath of God. And that's what the tribulation Period is, God's wrath is going to be poured out. Just read through the judgments in the book of Revelation. Isaiah 34, 8, For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and of recompense. I mentioned this morning that God will judge the nations. And uh, we see that is going to be lived out during that tribulation time. Jeremiah 46, 10, And this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance that he may avenge him of his adversaries, and the sword shall devour. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north county by country by the river Euphrates. Again, some of this you can tie right to the book of Revelation where you realize that God's going to dry up the Euphrates. Why? Because the kings of the east have got to come. How big of an army? 200 million. 
I'm going to show you in just a second where that 200 million come from. But this day of the Lord is a day of the vengeance of God, uh, the terror of God. Uh, Lamentations 2.2, so that in the day of the Lord's anger, none escape, none remain. Ezekiel 13.5, ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Again, associating Israel uh, with that day of the Lord. Ezekiel 30, verse 3, For the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day. It shall be the time of the heathen. Time of what? Time of God's judgment. Joel 1, 15, Alas, a day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Joel 2, 1, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. I think that's that second silver trumpet. All right. What do you guys go ahead and... I think maybe the heat's on a little bit. I got a couple nodding. Maybe it was a late night last night, but uh, maybe the heat's on and that needs to be A on, air conditioner on. Thanks, Dave. I don't like throwing hymn books at people. I really don't. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so I'll get the air conditioner going. All right. Joel 2.1, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Again, the trumpet for the church and the trumpet for Israel. Both of them, Joel 2, 11, And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executed his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And we can go on and on and on here concerning the day of the Lord. Amos 5, 18, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Now go to 1 Thessalonians 5, real quick. I'll get to Revelation. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. This whole chapter is helping the church understand the contrast between the second coming of Christ at the end of chapter 4, waiting for the catching away, and chapter 5, which is the day of the Lord that begins immediately after the church and the Holy Spirit are gone. So there's a transition from chapter 4 the catching up, catching away, and chapter 5, the great day of the Lord. And in chapter 5, verse number 5, the Bible says, Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day ye are not of the night nor of darkness. Can I read again? Joel, where the Scripture tells us, uh, in I'm sorry, Amos 5.18, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord to... To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Well, God just told us, well, you're not of the darkness. But the day of the Lord is of darkness, but not you. Matter of fact, as you go on in 1 Thessalonians 5, aren't these wonderful words coming from verse 9? For God hath not appointed us to wrath. There's a contrast between the speaking about the church, us, he's not appointed us to wrath, and... The world, go to chapter 5, verse 1. But of the time and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say, it's they, 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 they. 
That's talking about those going through the day of the Lord. But for us, he's trying to comfort them by saying, listen, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our, by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort our, uh, yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So how will Christ come? He's coming with his saints. He's coming uh, physically back to this world. Where will Christ come? Well, the Mount of Olives. What will Christ find when he comes? Revelation chapter 16. Look at the description here, beginning in verse number 12. Of the world. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. All right, we had that in connection with the day of the Lord. Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a what? Thief. There it is again. See, the thief in the night is not for the child of God. That day shall not overtake you as a thief. That day is a day of darkness, but you're children of light. That day is a day of wrath, but God has not uh, appointed us to wrath. And so we see that the what will Christ find when he comes? He's going to find here uh, a world in uh, disobedience to him. He's going to find people uh, that are gathered together against his people. All right, so that's the coming revelation. B, a coming retribution. A coming retribution. And this is where the vengeance of God. I just read verse after verse after verse about the vengeance of God during the day of the Lord. And that's exactly what's going to take place. Listen, sometimes we say, why does it seem like the godless are just shaking their fist in the face of God and how come nothing happens? Guess what? A lot's going to happen. Oh, our heart ought to go out to them just in, 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 in asking God for mercy on their lives in their rebellion. But here we see this retribution is coming. Number one, under this point, I want you to see they will be drawn. Uh, Zechariah 14, go right there to the end of uh, the Old Testament, second last book, Zechariah Malachi. I need you to see quite a few verses, 12, 13, 14 are all packed uh, with Scripture that deal here with this time. But uh, in chapter number 14, notice verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and, they sp and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. I want you to see that they're going to be drawn to battle the whole world to that little insignificant, what seems to be 
tiny little nation of 8 million people. And the fixation of the whole world is going to be on that little nation. And I tell you, if you were reading this as a Christian 50 years ago, you would scratch your head and say, I don't understand how that possibly could be, right? And yet today, oh my, this next slide is six hours old. This is from a newspaper that was published in Turkey. Today, it's a call for an army of Islam. The call from this newspaper in Turkey is simply that if we as Muslim nations could all just band together. I've got a portion of the article here. When Turkey's semi-official newspaper, the Safat, called for urgent action in forming a 57-nation army of Islam. This is today. This is God gathering the nations. God's going to gather the church. That's what the trumpets is all about. It's a gathering. It's a call to gather. He's going to call the church, gather the church. He's also going to gather Israel back to its land. He's doing that, and he's also going to gather the nations. He's calling the nations together. And we know what's going to happen. And here the Scripture simply tells us that what we are seeing lived out in our generation, the Bible spoke of long ago. Again, I, I couldn't have conceived of this a decade, two decades, three decades ago. I just couldn't have. But today I can. You say, why? Well, it just seems to be that this satanic religion of Islam is dominating the world in places that we could never have imagined. Why don't you go to this next slide? I pulled up. Uh, my question, Revelation 9:16, is where is this 200 million horsemen? Where are they? They're, they're from the east, but I mean, what would compel them to, to come to Israel? Why does God have to dry up the Euphrates so they physically can, can uh, uh, arrive there to that gathering spot so God can execute vengeance? on these armies of the world. And, and so I did a Google search last week, and, and I, I just cropped out the bottom eight, but I want you to see something. The top 12 countries for the largest Muslim population, not one of them's in the Middle East. I expect Turkey to be at the top, right? Iraq, Iran, maybe, maybe Africa. But you look at the list, and they are... In Asia. By the way, where the kings of the east are going to come? Where are these 200 million man armies coming from? I want you to see the next slide. There's a domination by Islam around the world making inroads into country after country after country. And you have got to believe that without the Holy Spirit, without Christians, this world is going to turn on a dime 
and conform. Why? Because the alternative is death. I mean, you have a tremendous base now. I, I, I've studied the book of Revelation for the longest time when I was younger. I used to say, man, who is this Babylon mystery religion? <laughs> you know, who is that? And then, of course, I read a book, and it's, well, it's the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, so, okay, you know, and all of us did that. And we all, okay, that's what it is. And, I, and there was a point where I, I, I turned to my wife and I said, honey, could Babylon simply be Babylon? I mean, it's not some hidden, under-the-surface thing. Could it just be Babylon? Could it, could it just be the resurrection here of Nebuchadnezzar? You know, Sodom is saying, desire to rebuild uh, Babylon's uh, temple and city and wanted to resurrect that. Who's to say here that the Antichrist wouldn't have the same ambition? So we see the multitudes. Look at this next slide. This is from 2017, but it's the regional distribution of Muslims. So in Latin America, 840,000. North America, that would be, of course, America and Canada, 3 million, 3.5 million. Still a very small percent. I don't know what Canada's population, but, you know, what are we at? 330-some million people here. So approximately 1% here in the United States. But then you go to Europe. Look at that. 43 million. Sub-Saharan Africa. Well, that you'd almost expect that, wouldn't you? 284 million Muslims. Now you have the Middle East and North Africa. All right, so that's where my mind goes to when I think of dominant Muslim countries. When I think of this picture, right, where everything, and then there's this little speck in the middle. That's Israel. Isn't that amazing? The whole world. And then, oh, there's God's country. And it's amazing that God's protected them. Why are we surprised? <laughs> it's God's promise. God doesn't break promises. It's one thing God can't do. He can't lie. And he made a promise to Abraham, and guess what? He's going to keep that promise. And so we see, although the whole world seems to be turning here, uh, uh, following the Islamic faith, Look at that last line, Asia-Pacific. Folks, it's, it's not quite three times what it is in this area of domination, but I would never have guessed that in the Asian-Pacific countries you would have almost a billion Muslims. And again, does it make sense? As you look at now this huge 200 million army, well, listen, if there's any nation or any belief system on the world that wants to push Israel into the sea, it's the Islamic nations of the world. And this coming together, this unification for that purpose, uh, it's the dream that they have. And I'm telling you, uh, God is opening the door and inviting them in. And we're going to see in the day of the Lord, God's vengeance is going to be executed. All right? Here's the next line. If you go to that next one, there, that 986 million. I, I think I could find 200 million out of that 986 that may volunteer today, let alone, let alone when we get to the day of the Lord. But I just want you to see that the possibilities are 
are, 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 I mean, the pieces of the puzzles are coming together maybe like never before. And we look at these things that we've heard about for a long, long time. And we just have to look up for our redemption draw nigh. Oh, the blessing that I can look to the spring feast and I can see what God's done and I can look now to the fall feast as far as what's ahead and then I'm sobered by the reminder that I'm here for a reason and you're here for a reason and the church is here for a reason and God's wanting to accomplish His marvelous work during this time. All right, so number one, uh, we see here that they're going to be drawn. Zechariah 14.2 uh, and three. Let me just read again. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Yes, he came the first time as the Lamb of God. But folks, he's coming as the Lion. And we see that he's coming with great wrath upon the people of this world that have rejected Jesus Christ. All right? Number one, they're drawn. Number two, they will be doomed. They will be doomed. God makes it clear that when you go to battle against God, there is no way that you can win. All right, let me just read. Don't have time for all of these, but Revelation 19. I'm going to read verse number 15. I'll have to read verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. There's a picture of the saints that wear the righteousness of our Savior Jesus Christ. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword, and with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls, that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Folks, they're being invited as guests to God's supper of wrath and vengeance. Boy, you don't wish this on any person you know. Oh, read the judgments of Revelation. I, I, don't, I don't care what this individual done that is in prison they don't, I don't say deserve, we all deserve hell. But they need to be warned. Everybody needs to be warned. Because when the Holy Spirit's gone and the church is gone, we're going to see that God's focus is going to be on Israel and their salvation. Folks, the church has had the job of getting the gospel to the world. Our focus has been the world. Our focus has been the Gentile nations. And it seems like God, remember we said that God has uh, blinded them, Romans chapter number 11, to the truth. Well, guess what? In this day of the Lord, their eyes are going to be wide open. 
They're going to see him for who he is. These witnesses are going to witness with great power, and there will be a revival, and, and there are going to be many uh, 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 Jewish people that are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ, and yes, they will lay down their life. And yes, you read Revelation, there will be the removing of heads from bodies. Well, we see that happening here with ISIS. That will be the norm in the great day of the Lord. And they will pay a price. Uh, and yet their souls, their spirits uh, are saved, although the body uh, will be destroyed. All right? So uh, we see here that they are doomed. You're going to see the same thing in uh, Matthew chapter 24 at the latter end of the teaching of Jesus on the Mount of Olives. All right? Let her see a coming recognition. And this is where they're going to recognize, and I say they, the, the Jewish people will recognize this is Jesus. I think there's a reason that we have the great conversion of Saul of Tarshish. If there was anyone that was anti the Messiah, uh, anti-Jesus, it was Saul of Tarshish. And yet on that Damascus road, the blinders came off. He thought he was fighting for God, and he found out in that moment that he was fighting against God. Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a revelation. I'm Jesus. Is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? Jesus. I'm, I'm hunting the followers of Jesus. I'm killing the followers of Jesus. I'm imprisoning the followers of Jesus. And Jesus is God. What wilt thou have me to do? That is going to happen across the planet with the Jewish people. Where that same, I mean, aha moment in their life. Where there's going to be a recognition uh, that Jesus is God. Number one, I see this as a type of really the story of Joseph and his brethren. Isn't it amazing? They had no idea who he really was. And yet the love and mercy and grace of Joseph toward his brethren is the love and mercy and grace of the one that was pierced for those that pierced him. Oh, the love of Joseph for his brothers and the love of Jesus for his flesh, the Jewish people. It's a type of Jesus Christ, a coming recognition. John 1.12, he came to his own, but his own received him not. And yet there's going to come a day, Isaiah 53.5, where there's going to be a recognition. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. Oh, the glory of it. And not only the recognition of, of uh, seed in a type of Joseph, but the triumph of uh, Jesus. Zechariah, we'll have to go to that little book. Zechariah chapter 12. This is, again, the passage on the day of the Lord. It's a passage here on the judgment in Jerusalem. 
Verse 3, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All, the bur- uh, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. We're seeing that fulfilled. Zechariah 12, 3. It goes on now in verse number 9, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of what? Of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. The whole world's coming against Israel, and then Jesus touched down on Mount Olives. And they're going to look on him who they have pierced, and he's going to extend grace. And then Romans 11, we've already studied it, but they'll all be saved. Now, there's a lot of Jewish people that are going to reject God during that time, Two-thirds of Jerusalem will be killed. It'll be horrific on the rebels. But all those whose hearts are touched, what a blessing. Chapter 13, notice verse 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? And he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Amazing. That's the heart of our Savior. He's going to come to the rescue. They're going to look upon Him. And by the way, we know that in His resurrected body, He still bears the scars. We know that. Thomas, he said, listen, until I put my hand in His side and my fingers there in His hand, I won't believe it. So in His resurrected body, He shows the the marks. And those marks He bears today I believe he'll bear those for all eternity. And I believe that as he comes in the revelation, in the return on Mount Olive, as the whole world is coming against Israel, here Jesus comes and Jesus reveals himself as that one that is pierced. And Jesus here uh, is that one that uh, uh, demonstrates these wounds are wounds from a friend. Chapter 14, you read the rest of this day of the Lord and what's all going to happen and, and the battle and, and uh, what's going to happen to the Mount of Olives and then you're going to go right into the Millennial Kingdom and we're going to hit that at another time. But let's just close here uh, with uh, uh, one other reference from Revelation chapter number 1 and we'll call it an evening. Verse number 7. Now, yes, Jesus is coming in the clouds for his saints, but he's also coming in the clouds with his army. And behold, he cometh with clouds. I think the reference that we uh, read there from Revelation also uh, has uh, that uh, reference, if I'm not mistaken. But verse number 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. Fulfillment of the text. 
And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. The triumph of Jesus. Folks, King Jesus is, is coming for us. And there during those seven years where the day of the Lord is being unveiled here on this old world. And yes, for the first three and a half years, if you study it, there seemingly is going to be peace. And then the man of sin, in the middle of that seven years, is going to desecrate the temple that will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And we know then that last half of the tribulation period, great wrath is going to be poured out on this world with the climax being his return, and this great battle where Jesus has beckoned the whole world to come, and he's making it easy for them to come, drying up the Euphrates. You all come. Uh, and he's calling the, the birds of the heaven to come to feast because my God wins, and uh, we get to come back with him as his saints. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a help to you, please feel free to share it on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.